0: Power. How many of you like power? All of you do, you liars. All of you do. How many of you think that 84 people are running for the president of the United States to be public servants, to serve the public? Do you believe that? If you do, I want to do business with you. It's, I'm afraid, it's a lot about power, isn't it? And yesterday in Louisiana, Trump, and, uh, Trump won and Hillary won. Power. North Korea has a mean little dictator. You never hear the term sweet Christian dictator. Have you ever noticed that? Those, those normally don't go together. But he says uh, powerful He's got some bad bombs and could create some problems. Power, ISIS. We're in a power struggle with ISIS right now. Really a good versus evil. Uh, a Christian struggle in some ways, in a lot of ways in that, that issue. Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to Numbers 14. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. The Scriptures will be on the screen. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. It's the fourth book in the, the uh, Bible. It's not one we teach out of a lot because there's a couple of chapters in there that are about numbers, numbers of uh, the groups of people, which is not exactly your favorite uh, nighttime reading. But we're going to talk this morning about the power of praying for other people. We're in a series on prayer. And we're in the part of the series right now, we're talking about developing your daily prayer time. If you're a Christian, if you're not, We want you to become one this morning. If you are, you need to have a time set aside daily when you pray. And we've talked about praising God. And we've talked about getting our heart rights with others. And we've talked about confessing our sins. And last week, we talked about thanking God when we pray. This week and next week, we're going to talk about praying for others. And this morning, we're going to talk about, well, find out. Is there really power when we pray for other people? But let's begin with this. People including people you love, are in trouble. If you think a little bit, some of you, I mean, some of you hear that, and you go, absolutely, I know that's true 110%. Some of you are going, well, I don't know so much about that. I'll try to convince you that, but, but uh, hear me. People that you love, people that you know, in many different ways today, are are in trouble they're in a in a dangerous spot or not a good spot maybe in a hundred different ways in our story we're going to start in verse 10 it says the whole community began to talk about stoning joshua and caleb now for some of you hippies that didn't involve marijuana it involved rocks the glory that's funny the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them? I'm going to disown them and I'm going to destroy them with a the plague. And I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are. How many of you think there were some folks in some serious trouble right here uh, in uh this spot. They were. What was going on? Well, God had delivered uh, certainly over a million Jewish people from e- uh, Egypt. They'd been slaves for over 400 years, and God miraculously, I mean supernaturally, delivered them. And He'd been supernaturally, miraculously sustaining them and protecting them. And now they're on the cusp of victory. I mean, they're, they're right on the edge of the promised land. Some of you are on the edge of the promised land in your life, and you need to hear some of the things taught in this story. And so right before they're going to go, now listen, they're not going to send these spies. They're going to send 12 spies to spy out the land. They're not sending them to decide whether they should go or not. They're sending them just to investigate the scope of the land. So they go out and they come back after 40 days. Here's what they come back, and all 12 of them agree. This is an unbelievable place. They describe it as a place flowing with milk and honey. That's the that would be the equivalent of bluebell and chocolate milk. I mean, it is it is an awesome place. It's an awesome place. They all agree that there's problems there, that there's some issues there. Folks, when God's getting ready to move you in your life, there's going to be great things ahead, but there's going to be problems in the way. And the problems are what keep many of us on this side of the great things God has for us. You hear me? Well, if God's in it, there wouldn't be any problems. That's absolutely just the opposite. A lot of times, the bigger it is and the greater it is that God's going to do something in your life, the bigger the problems you're going to face. Okay? And, and two of the spies say this We can do this. God said, God said we can do it. Yeah, there's some big people there, but by the way, our God can rough those big people up any day of the week. Let's go do it. And the 10 other spies say, We can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. We're going to get destroyed. And here's what they do a terrible thing. They take a vote. And the vote is about 24, 20 people who are for going in the promised land. I'm going to guess that with families of good people and all, and 1 million against. <laughs> The only problem is, is God had already told him to do it. Folks never believe that just because a majority votes on something makes it right. That when God says it's right, it's right. Correct? That's not always hard to discern. Sometimes it's easy to discern. But they decide, well, God said we should do it, but we voted and we said we shouldn't, so we won't do it. And in verse, verse 10, it says, God shows up. Let me tell you something. It's always great to talk about God showing up. It's never good for God to show up when God's hot, when God's upset. In verse 11, listen to what God said. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? That word contempt meant utter disregard. They were ready to throw Moses out. They were ready to kill Joshua and Caleb. They were disregarding their human leadership. They were disregarding the will of God. And here's what God says. God said this. You want to play games with me? That's fine. You've just lost. And so Moses, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy all these people. Wouldn't have been Joshua and Caleb and his family and Moses and his family. But everybody else, millions of people. I'm going to destroy them and I'm going to make make you into a, a, a nation, a greater nation than all these people. Folks, I want to tell you, the children of Israel, the Jewish people, were in a bad spot at that point. Now, this morning, let's go back to you and me. You know people today who are not in a good spot. Let me give you some scenarios. You have friends or family who are not Christians. They are not going to heaven just because you are akin to them or like them. That never says in the Bible, well, they liked people who went to First Baptist and so they'll go to heaven. It never says that in there. And without Jesus Christ, they're in trouble. They are in trouble this morning. Well, no, they're healthy, they're happy, they're young. They are in trouble without Jesus Christ. Are you following me? You, you've, got, you've got family members and friends and people you know who may be on their way to a lot of trouble. Maybe it's some legal ways or maybe it's, family ways, with their marriage, if there's not some changes or some interventions, there's going to be some disasters in their lives. And some of it's because of their sinfulness or their lack of brains. But they're in trouble. Some of it's not. It's just we, we live in a sinful world. People get sick. People have problems. People are having emotional problems. You know people today that are in trouble. Now, here's a scary thing, too. You know people in trouble or in a bad spot not because of anything they've done but because of who they've hung out with or the associations. Listen, this, this, your sins and my sins, our decisions always impact other people besides us. You take a position of being an arrogant jerk, you're going to pass that down to your kids and your grandkids and a lot of other people. You take a position of being loose morally, and, and that's known in your family, you're going to pass that down. Here, you got kids, and you got little kids here that may die because of their, the sinfulness of their parents. You have family members and friends, too, that are in a bad spot or a dangerous spot. Because of their associations or because of decisions other people have made. I mentioned a Garth Brooks song last week about I thank God for unanswered prayer. He also sang a wonderful song called I Have Friend in Low Places. Listen, sometimes you've got friends in low places, they're going to pull you in those low places with them. You've got friends in trouble, in a bad spot. Think about this with me. And sometimes, again, it's just the world we live in. It's a sinful world. There's problems and there's issues. And and what I want you to do right now, this is just for you. Write down the names of three or four people you know who are in trouble today. Maybe it's they're not a Christian or, or you're unsure whether they are. Maybe it's a health problem, a legal problem, a marital problem. But write down, this is just for you. You're not turning it in. Write down the names of some people that you know who who have some, some things going on this morning. And here's the second thing I want to tell you. Pray for them. Pray for these people. Okay, here's what we tend to do. We deny there's problems. Well, it's my uncle. He hadn't been to church in 50 years. He hadn't read his Bible in 40 and he has no interest in anything of God, but he was baptized when he was five, so he's got to be okay with Jesus. He's probably not. Are we we blame other people for the situation they're in? Are we gossip about that person? Are we criticize? Or again, we deny. Let me tell you what we need to do for the people in our lives that are in a bad spot and even those who aren't in a bad spot we need to pray for them this is exactly what Moses did folks this was a do or die situation look what Moses did in verse 13 but Moses objected (laughs) think about that he's objecting to God really he's not objecting like we would think of like being rude it's like he's saying oh God wait a second God wait a second let me talk to you We would say, pray to you before you kill these people. He's saying, God, I want to articulate my thoughts to you before you destroy all these people. In verse 14 through 19, he prays, now if you destroy them, the Egyptians will send a report to the, the inhabitants of this land. Moses is praying to God for these people. They've already heard that you live among your people. They know, Lord, that you have appeared to your people face to face, and that your pillar of your cloud hovers over them. They know that you go before them. He's appealing to God. Listen, and the pillar of cloud by by day, and the pillar of fire by night. Verse fifteen. Now, if you slaughter these people, God, with a single blow, the nations that have heard of your fame will say, "The Lord was not able to bring them into the land He swore to give them." So He killed them in the wilderness. Verse 17, please listen to the passion Moses is saying. Please, God, prove your power is great as you have claimed. For you said the Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. He doesn't excuse the guilty. He lays the sins of the parents on the children. The entire family is affected, even children in the generations to come. But in verse 19, in keeping with your magnificent unfailing love... God, please pardon the sins of these people, just as you have forgiven them ever since we left Egypt. In verse 19, that word please literally it is, means I'm praying to you, God. It's the picture of a submissive person coming to a superior, pleading for help. Do you get that? It's assuming a submissive position, going to a superior, asking for help. Moses is humbly, and I think this prayer went a lot longer than just these verses here. He's humbly but boldly pleading with God. He's saying, God, I'm begging you, God, spare these people. When the worst situation they came up against, what Moses began to do for these people was he began to pray for them. I want to challenge you this morning. What you and I need to do for the people in our lives and our world is we need to pray for them. We call praying for others intercessory prayer. If you're taking notes, this is such a beautiful thing. The word intercession literally means to go before royalty on behalf of someone else. To go before before royalty on behalf of someone else. In, in the ancient days, it would be the picture of you going before the king to plead your case for your family member or friend so they wouldn't be executed. In Moses' day, it might be the picture of, of getting to go before Moses himself or back in Egypt, the king or the pharaoh. In, in our days, it might be the picture of getting to go before the mayor of Rust and Ronnie, who is royalty, to plead our case for someone. Or it would be to go before the governor are ultimately the President of the United States, to stand in the presence of the President and say, Look... My family member, my family member is going to be executed. Are they been put in jail improperly? are they being kept overseas improperly and i 'm pleading to you as the highest power that I can come to here on earth to help me. Uh, intercession is you putting your hand in god 's hand and you putting your hand on their shoulder and you connecting them to God. Listen, when people are in trouble, you need to love them. You need to help them any way you can. You may need to try to get them to the doctor. You may need to try to get them to counseling. But by all means, the first and most important thing you can do for anybody is to pray for them, is to pray for them. Make sure that your heart is right with God and you pray for him. Again, we're going to talk about this more next week. But you you make a prayer list. You write it down. Listen, just don't tell people, I'll pray for you. Write it down. Paper's a lot more accurate than brains. Type it in. Whatever you do and make it the habit of your day and your life that you're going to pray for people and you're going to lift them up to Jesus. You know, in in the last 30-something years, I've had two or three people before tell me, I would say to them, I'm going to pray for you. And I can only think of two or three who've said this, I don't want you to pray for me. Or, or they would say, sometimes it was a little bit nicer. They would say, I, I don't need that. Appreciate it. I don't need that. Listen, you know what that did to me? The, the, the redneck, stubborn nature in me, that just made me, I just smiled and walked away and said, I'm going to pray for you so stinking much. I'm gonna, God's going to get tired of hearing your name, which God isn't going to. You see, people, people can tell you, don't ask me to church anymore. People can tell you, don't tell me to give money. People can say, don't tell me I need to do this. But nobody, nobody can stop you from lifting them up to Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? I don't want to hear about your Jesus. That's fine. I'll just talk to my Jesus about you. (laughs) I'm going to talk about you behind your back to my Jesus. I'm going to lift you up. People are in trouble. Gossip. Deny it. Excuse it. Criticize them. Or man up or woman up and pray for them. And pray for them. And pray for them. And let me tell you this. There is tremendous power in intercessory prayer. Folks, I'm not just trying to get you to do something that's cute. Get you to do something that's a good Sunday school lesson. I'm trying to get you to do something that's going to make a difference. That's going to matter. Again, how many of you think when God shows up and God's hot and God says, I'm fixing to smite these people, they were in a trouble spot. You agree? (laughs) Moses didn't form a committee. Moses didn't take it under advisement. Moses, I believe, fell on his knees or his face and he started praying. And look what happened. Unbelievable. It's so easy to miss it. God says, I'm going to kill them. Moses pleads with God not to. And in verse 20, the Lord said, I will pardon them. I will forgive them. I will spare them as you have requested. Did you hear that? God is going to kill, rightly so, God never does anything wrongly so, a million people who deserved it. And one man steps up into the gap and he prays for them. And God says, Moses, I'm going to pardon them and forgive them just as you have asked. Now, they're going to pay. They're going to not get to go to the promised land. But they're not going to die. They're going to get to marry or stay married. And have kids or have more kids. And raise their families. There was still a spanking coming for sure. But because this guy prayed. God spared him. Think about this. One person. Who was intimate with God. Prayed. And a whole nation was rescued. Now, I want to remind you, you got to be intimate with God. You don't pray on your terms or I don't pray on my terms. You're not a Christian. You don't have a prayer life. You're a Christian away from God. You don't have an effective prayer life. You need to give your life to Christ. You need to walk with Jesus just look up Psalm sixty-six, eighteen, and a thousand other verses that solidify that. That you, prayer comes from a relationship with Christ. But I'm stunned by that passage. That one man prayed, and a nation was spared. I got a text from one of Cindy and I's really good friends in Texas this week, and she asked me a question. She said, "I'm getting discouraged." She said, "I'm praying, I'm praying Second Chronicles 17, 7.14 for our country, and nothing's happening." If you don't know that verse, it says, "If my people," you know, th- th- this is talking. A, this is just a great theological verse too. If my people who are called by my name will pray and seek my face and humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear, hear hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. She said, I'm praying that and I don't feel like anything's happened. Should I quit? And I'm working on this sermon, and I text her back and I said, Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Folks, when you and I decide that we're going to get serious about prayer and serious about praying for other people, either the Bible is not trustworthy or it tells us that the power of God gets involved in godly people's prayers. And I believe the Bible. I don't know who this singer is. Juan Luis uh, Guerrera. Does any of you know you know that name? It's a Latino. You, did I pronounce that right, Annie? Yeah. Okay, good, good. I was concerned about that. Uh, Juan Luis is a very, very popular Latino singer. I mean, very, very popular Latino singer. And I, I was reading the story of a missionary. This was in the late 1990s. She she lives in Venezuela, and she would listened to his music. She goes, you know. I I don't think he's a Christian, how neat it would be if Juan Luis became a Christian. So she said, I'm going to start praying every day that this person would become a Christian. She said a year later, she's reading some stuff that he's saying, and he's like real new age and real out there. And she goes, my goodness, I'm praying and he's getting worse. Let me tell you something. Sometimes the harder you pray for somebody, the worse they're going to get. You know what that means? Your prayers are working. That's called conviction. How many of you men are praying for your wives and they seem to get meaner? I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Get away from my wife. She's on the front row. But really, sometimes when you pray for people and, and they become harder and more difficult, all that means is God's working in their life. Pour it on them pour it on them so she said i kept praying every day i prayed for juan luis to get saved and she said two years later i read in the paper juan luis got saved isn't that awesome listen let me give you let me here's a cool idea instead of us criticizing everything about hollywood and i know they're a bunch of idiots i'm sorry but they're you know i mean morally there's some issues there why don't we start praying for him to get saved wouldn't that be cool now, I'm not, I don't know about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton's spiritual condition, but pray for your Republican or pray for your Democrat to win. But here's a better prayer. Start praying that all of them get saved. Are right with God if they are saved. Well, that would be the most unbelievable thing in the world. About September, if they all came together in a group hug and said, we have all found Jesus, we want to do what's best for the country. And all of us would die of heart attacks. Jesus would come back then and we'd never get to experience it, right? (laughs) What would happen if we started praying for people more than we criticize people? There's tremendous power when godly people lift up people to Jesus Christ. When I was just a baby Christian in college, there were a couple of boys I would become good friends with, and they were just like I was before I became a Christian. They were on the wild side of things, and they uh, they weren't interested in God or church, or, or uh, they were interested in girls and, uh, and bad. The girls aren't bad, but, the, you know, they were interested in things that shouldn't have been. And, and so, some of my friends and I, we were the good thing about being a young Christian, you haven't been calloused yet. You still actually believe the Bible's true. Isn't that a great thing? And I, I, I'm just kind of joking. But, you know, we do get, we get harder as, as more we are in Christ if we're not careful. And so we started praying every day for those two guys to get saved. And the weirdest thing happened two months later, one of them got saved. And then two months later, the weirdest thing happened. The other one got saved. It doesn't always happen that quick. You can pray for somebody 35 years. I've been praying for some for 30 years that still hadn't got saved. But you know what? I'm going to keep praying for them until they die or I die. And you've got, you got people you know who got marital problems, who financial problems, whatever it is. I want to tell you, if God is God, God can help. If you'll put your hand in God's hand and your hand on their shoulder and you'll plead with God to get involved, you know what? God's got the power to make the difference. We need to lift people up to Jesus. Not because it's a spiritual exercise, but because of what the Bible tells us to do and because there's tremendous power in intercessory prayer. I want to share with you a story that happened several years ago uh, on the Israeli-Palestinian border Believe it or not, they were having some conflict. Isn't that funny? There was a, uh, an Arab, uh, a motorcade carrying the security chief of Gaza. Now, that's going to be an Arab. And he came under Israeli bullet fire. And bullet fire is never a good thing, is it? I mean, that's not a good thing. So he's frightened, and he calls Yasser Arafat, who was at that time the leader of the Palestinians. Now, Yasser Arafat would have about that much influence, or he had that with the Israelis. So he calls, Arafat calls the U.S. ambassador and asks him to help and get involved. Well, the U.S. ambassador can't stop the Israelis from shooting, but he calls the one guy who may can. He calls Colin Powell. Colin Powell at that time, General Powell, was the, uh, the Secretary of State, extremely high-ranking United States official, and he calls the then- Prime Minister of Israel, Ariel Sharon, and he says, Prime Minister, please ask your people to start shooting sharp objects at these Palestinians, please. And immediately when he got hold to the right person, the bullets stopped. You know, I thought about that story and I thought, The old adage, it's not what you know, but who you know, is true in many ways, isn't it? Sad thing is, there was a lot of steps there. I mean, you had to call this guy, who called this guy, who called this guy. And then when you finally got to the main guy, then boom, it stopped. Here's the cool thing about it, is that I don't know the prime minister of Israel, and neither do you, probably. And I don't know uh, Putin in Russia, and I don't know if you do, but I know Jesus Christ. And you, you can know him if you don't. And, and you know what? I, I don't have to call you to get to him. And you don't have to call me to get to him. I got a hotline to him and so do you. And the prime minister of Israel has got a lot of power in Israel. Just like the president of the United States got a lot of pr- power everywhere but in the United States. But my God's got power everywhere. And I can go to him and I can get him involved in the lives and the situations of any and every person if I'm just willing to do it. Will you take the challenge this morning to embrace the wonderful power of intercessory prayer? Let's pray. If you're a Christian... There's a lot to swallow, a lot to digest in this. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, or you're unsure if you're a Christian, I want to challenge you to give your life to Jesus today. And if you're ready to do that, would you pray with me where you are? And just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I accept that you're God's Son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart this morning. And Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention just for a moment. We're going to stand in a second. And when we do, here's what I want you to do. If you just pray and ask Christ in your heart, or you're ready to do that, would you come today and talk to one of our ministers? Greatest decision you ever make, you'll never regret it. Do that this morning. Maybe you'd like to join our church today. We would love for you to. Two ways you could do that. You can come when we give the invitation and join, or you can catch one of our ministers after church, and we'll help you do that. Those of you who are Christians, I know some of you are doing a great job. I mean, you pray, you lift people up to Jesus. Keep up the great work. Some of us aren't doing so well. And here's my challenge to you. Where you're standing or at the altar, get your life right with Christ so you can pray effectively. And then quit making excuses. It's not a gift, it's a discipline. You decide you are going to be an intercessory Prayer, warrior, the rest of your life. Come to the altar. Kneel down. Let's pray for some folks this morning. Or let us pray for you. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come.